Kulofalava. Kia ora. Welcome back, everyone, to This Is Our Story. And welcome back to you, Briar. Hello, hello. Hi. So if you've been following us religiously, which I hope you have, because I have, (laughs) (laughs) you would have picked up that we've had a, a wee bit of a break for a few weeks, which has been great, partly just due to kind of life stuff, but then also a bit of time to just kind of reflect and process don't know about you, don't know if you've picked it up, but some of the stuff we've talked about has been quite heavy and we just needed a little bit of time out to kind of prepare, well, process that and then just kind of prepare for the next uh, chapters, which, uh, spoiler, do get a little bit heavy too. <laughs> um, but, uh, Briar, over to you straight away. Like, how, how are you feeling about this whole thing post your little mini break? Yeah, I mean, I've had quite a bit of feedback from from our listeners and it seems to be positive so far lots of people who we grew up with too found it interesting hearing about our perspective on you know we all sort of grew up in the similar environment Mm. um but our take on that so yeah that's been quite interesting to hear people's feedback so yeah um, it's been cool to kind of reconnect with some people as well that i personally have not had any contact with since i left kitty kitty and left the school and kind of cool to see those people come back out of nowhere and funny how I guess over time it has felt like this experience has only been our own right that all that exactly. whole school thing but mm. it's just nice to re- kind of remember the fact that we were kind of all in that together and, <laughs> and other people way. yeah bringing up memories sort of to weave into the, our ones as well it's like oh yeah that's right forgot about mm. that or that person mm. what happened so yeah that's been quite interesting what, what about the stuff that we've been talking about? Have you, like some of it has been easier than others. Some mm. has been a little bit tough to talk about. Has, how has that particular part of the process been for you? Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of it, I guess, is just based on memories and things we did, which has been fine. But then, of course, the last episode, or maybe it was the one before, how, um, you know, I, I had to become vulnerable and talk about um, mm. sort of a tough experience for myself so that was quite hard talking about that but I did get quite a bit of feedback on that too yeah. and all I want is to um, share that experience to I couldn't not basically because it was a big part of a crucial time in my life when I was growing up and going through puberty and mm. and if that story helped somebody else feel not so alone then that's that's fine that's if that's all that comes of that yeah and I mean, the whole purpose of us doing this, as we've said a number of times, is to try and hopefully connect with some people who may have gone through the similar experiences and just have felt like they are just, well, we all think we're super unique, right? And then mm. once we hear lots of other people's stories, we realize that actually, you know, we're not the only ones who have gone mm. through these kind of things, especially yeah. trauma, you know, trauma can feel so personal, mm. but um in not a negative way, not a negative sense, but it's not super unique, which means that, you know, we can kind of hopefully come together and support each other a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. For me, for me, I personally haven't had much stake in the trauma aspect of our, of the story so far. However, that is still to come. <laughs> still to come. <laughs> Little did you know. Uh, so, so I personally, the journey for me so far has been it's been fun. I've been enjoying it, but I have this kind of sense of anticipatory dread uh, at some of the things that are to come for me. And so I, I would say that the process so far has been 
not as heavy as it could possibly be yet. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see how that goes for me, and I'll have to start being the vulnerable one. But yeah, like I just a ref- brings, sorry. I guess that brings us into this episode how we're sort of going to be talking about learning how to relationship and that kind yeah, of things. yeah. So that and that's the the title of this week's episode is you know they're kind of getting into pretending to be an adult and learning how to be in a relationship with one with one person <laughs> mm. and living with one person and that is a very very deep story to get into for both of us but before we get into that we're going to firstly get into story time uh still debating with myself about whether I add some nice little perky music <laughs> behind the segment just to kind of balance the 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 deep places that we go after story time uh but i thought for the for this particular uh story time we were going to talk about our first trips abroad since both you and i briar have traveled a lot uh since the days of old i thought it'd be interesting to just kind of reflect on where our international journeys began so i don't know if you you want to talk about your first trip overseas well i guess it, it kind of um our parents built that foundation of um, memories, creating memories mattered mm. more than things. And we didn't have a lot of things, but one thing we did do as a family was travel a lot. And that was, you know, we talked before about traveling the South Island with friends and, and those things are core memories for us. So that probably gave us, you know, a bit of the travel bug and mm. our uh, the excitement of adventuring. So, so apart from those trips that we did to the South Island, you must have already left home, but I went to Rarotonga. Um, That's right. Yeah. Yes, but you weren't there. So that no. was for our adopted brother. He <laughs> was getting married in Rarotonga. And uh, I went there with mum and dad and spent some time there. That was pretty exciting, having not been yeah. out of New Zealand before. Because I don't actually know much about that trip. I knew it happened and I was quite mm. jealous at the time. Yeah, um, I didn't I, really know anything about it. Yeah, I guess that must have been your first year of uni. I must have been 15 or 16. Oh, and I was so stoked to be there and have a little intimate wedding on the beach. And um, it's a beautiful island and, you know, got the scooters. And yeah, it was quite fun being with our adoptive brother's family. And But apart from that, we when I was 15, I travelled to Perth where my mum's sister lived. And we only ever got to see them you know, periodically when our auntie and uncle would come to New Zealand to visit. Um, but they had not long had a son who mm. they weren't planning on having kids or whatever. So I, me loving kids and wanting to meet my little cousin, yeah, mum and dad arranged for me to go there, which was quite cool. Again, it was going to Perth was such a completely different experience to what I'd ever had before. And, and also the fact that you were going to Perth with the kind of interesting family dynamics there, which we haven't yeah. really dived into, but. Uh, yeah interesting that you ended up going there yeah and I went alone so that was a big deal mm. like at 15 coming from a sort of a sheltered background and that was um, m- mum and dad paid for your trip yeah yep and I was a yeah unaccompanied child so I had some like a <clears throat> must have been in New Zealand flight attendant she sort of met me at the airport and took me through and then I got met at the other end by our auntie and uncle, which was... Oh, How did it feel to be in another country, though? Did you have any concept of that kind of strangeness? Obviously, yeah. just Australia, a Rarotonga more so. Yeah, um, 
going to Perth actually felt so much more foreign than even going to Rarotonga, to be honest. <laughs> Obviously, there the, are some strange people in Perth. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was so different to, to everything I'd known, and the heat, even though it was winter, I think when I went, the heat and the wildlife, you know, I'd never seen like a mm. kangaroo in the wild, all those things that are exciting when you go to Australia for the first time. And yeah, I spent, I can't remember how long, maybe it was like 10 days or something with them. And they took me around and we did lots together and it was fun and exciting. Yeah, interesting that that's where your kind of travel journey started in Australia because it's the same for many mm. New Zealanders, right? Because mm. Australia is just so convenient. Well, um, I guess most would go to the East Coast, um, which is familiar. Mm. Whereas, mm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so different. Well, I mean, for me, it was. Uh, I didn't actually get to Australia until much, much later. Uh, but my my first trip overseas was to Fiji uh, in when I was 15. And this kind of follows on quite neatly from our previous episode when we talked about convention with school, because actually I went there as a student volunteer along with a couple of others uh, to help out the ACE convention in Fiji. So it was just I, I Fiji and Christian like schools. To, yeah. To, convention actually i thought it was um like a church trip but no so the idea was that we would go there and just help out in the same way that i did when i was much older right when i came back as a a volunteer at convention yeah same thing so i went there and with two people from their family that we were close with and we started out in a resort uh we were there for a few days not not at all a flash resort with nice beaches, not not at all what people You're would imagine. On the Fiji, <laughs> we're on the mainland. Mm. Uh, I mean, it was we flew into Nandi, and that was wild for me at the time because Nandi is it feels like a lot like India. Um, there's a lot of Fijian Indians there up in the, in in Nandi, and it was crazy, like with the taxis and horns, honking horns, and Bit crazy of a traffic shock for you. Yeah, but I mean, I loved it. Uh, which is kind of a, like an enduring theme for me in travel that I just really love that kind of adventurous uh, stuff. Um, and then we we went out to the coast and at this resort. That was kind of nice, but yeah, no no pristine <laughs> beaches to be found. One enduring memory. I don't know why this has stuck with me, or maybe I do, but there must have been like a honeymooning couple in the <laughs> in the adjacent hut that we were staying oh, no. in and you can imagine the <laughs> they kind keep of, you awake all night <laughs> they, they did they did and that's <laughs> i don't remember much about the resort but i do remember that <laughs> first experience away I'm from home i'm pretty <laughs> sure they kept a lot of people awake that night uh but then we went down to nandi uh sorry down to suva where the university was which was, was hosting this the convention and we were able to kind of help out with all these sporting activities and being adjudicators and whatnot. And that was a lot of fun. But again, Suva is a very, it's not a, an exotic place at all, unless exotic means dirty and crazy. Yeah. And I remember you saying you thought it was quite dirty there. Yeah, there's a picture of me on a beach posing next to piles of rubbish. <laughs> I don't mm. know what happened. To, it's out there somewhere in the universe. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was still though, like really, really loved it, that experience. Um, well, just I've always, because it's so different, right? Yeah, and I've always oh. been attracted to that kind of very, very different type of messy, dirty, adventurous experience, and that stayed with me for a, a really long time. Mm. I guess we don't want to take up too much time talking about these trips because we're about to get into no, not some not heavy stuff so much, but just kind of setting the scene for the years that um, <laughs> set mm. up the trauma. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
sense of foreboding. But uh, so that today we wanted to just talk a bit about how, which I've alluded to a bit before, but just talk about how I kind of got into my first relationship and where that headed and some of the stuff that followed with that. So how did you meet your first partner? So we we were actually in the same class at uni. So I, I went off to teacher's college, right? And I literally met her on the first day. And whenever I say that to people, they were like, oh, that's so sweet and oh, that's so <laughs> <It wasn't>. nice. <laughs> well, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it wasn't, but like, shit, <laughs> I'm trying, just trying to get the clear in my mind. Uh, so we met at orientation and we, for our orientation, we actually went away. I think it was a couple of nights. And it became clear to me from the get go that she was interested in me and showed a very particular interest uh, in me and but she was too shy to talk to me at that time and I just there were other <laughs> I've talked about crushes before <laughs> um, there were other more uh, attractive people that I was interested <laughs> in <laughs> um, anyway I was having a great time I was just first out of home really excited to be around people my own age and stage and just having uh, lots of fun and I remember singing lots of songs and we were all playing games etc and and um we had a lot of fun. Over the next few months, she, I can't even remember clearly how, but it became, it was very obvious that she was really into me and she would tell other people that she was really into me and she pursued me quite relentlessly. And I, I'll be honest, I shut it down. Like I really shut it down hard because I was not at all interested. But she didn't I, take the hint. <laughs> Did not take the hint. Uh, I was a bit mean, and I don't really remember how, what I was doing, but I, I think I was pretty cold, like would almost blatantly ignore her. Surprising <laughs> um, that she stuck around then and kept trying. Yeah, yeah. And But the thing is, she did, she did stop trying after a while because I think she got the hint eventually after a few months. And I think it was about the time that, um, I found out my big crush from home, who we've who we've already met, Rachel. I think I found out at that time that she'd started dating someone, and I was just like, oh, broken. Because <laughs> I remember I told I told her that I liked mm. her just before I left, mm. so to give my first semester, and then by the end of the semester she'd already started dating someone else, and so I was like, it's time for me to move on. <laughs> and the only person who was interested yeah. in me was this was this girl in my class and even though I wasn't really super attracted to her I was attracted to the idea that someone was interested in me and remember I didn't know anything about girls I didn't know how to relate to them does she ever question you about why you changed your mind or appeared to be you know uninterested and then interested I mean, this kind of all happened over like six to eight months. I think after about three months, she stopped and then completely moved. Well, she told me she moved on. Um, and she was quite hurt by the way that I had treated her, rightly so, probably. <laughs> and when I then, okay, so then I, I started, this is back in MSN days, <laughs> late at night, I'd be on the, on the computer and then I just started talking to her on MSN, just out of nowhere. I don't know why, I don't know how this started, but... Then we would have these really long chats on MSN, like really deep about 
it, it like this progressed over like a month, maybe more of these really intense chats on MSN. But then we would go to class and then not talk. Well, more specifically, I wouldn't talk to her because <laughs> I I felt too embarrassed about because I'd told everybody I wasn't interested and I'd, I'd made fun. <laughs> uh. I'd made fun of her for pursuing me so badly and um, so strongly and how I just I basically I didn't want to lose face. And so mm. I pretended that we didn't know each other, even though <laughs> we'd go home and then have these really long chats. And that that went on for really quite a long time. Uh, and then we had mutual friends at church and we just kind of slowly became openly friends. And so did then, you, when it came to actually dating, did you like officially ask her out or did she ask you or how did that actually officially so there was lots of like flirting and kind of suggested conversations, I remember. Then it came to the end of the second semester when we were about to go away to like have our summer break. And I remember she she randomly she dyed my hair. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this, but I went when Did you go when black? Was, I don't know, I went um copper or something. No, no, no. It was supposed to be like everyone was going blonde or bleaching their hair back then. Like just uh, and the, Timberlake, yeah. <laughs> frosted Except, tips. Yeah, <clears throat> I I tried to do that because I was a big JT fan, um, and it just turned copper. <laughs> it didn't oh, work no. at all because I have red hair, right? Um, <laughs> anyway, so she did that for me, and it was like a really kind of intimate experience. Someone else dyeing your hair, and <laughs> kind of I am. I think I admitted to myself there was some something else going on, and. She was about to go off on her break, and I think I must have told her that I liked her at that stage just before she left. Uh, I obviously have a habit of telling people before <laughs> really big things when they're about to disappear. And then um, we basically organized to meet up during the holiday, and I went down to meet her in, in Wanganui, I remember, and she was with her mum, and then we went for a walk in the garden, and then... There was some kind of conversation that decided, okay, we're going to do this. And I don't remember the specifics of that, but we came out and she wanted to surprise her mum. So we came out holding hands. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> and her mum was like, saw us holding hands. And then it was like, oh, okay. And it was just a bit, it was awkward, actually. No, I think about it, it was really awkward. It seems really scripted. <laughs> it was, yes. And I, and I think this is like a bit of a theme for the relationship in general was that it did feel like we were going through the motions. I know I was because I didn't feel now that I know I've been in other relationships since, <laughs> thank God. So I know what the butterflies feel like. I know how love feels like and all those kind of that excitement. I had none of that, but I just felt that it was the natural progression that we were supposed to do this the proper way. But you way. probably didn't even know what that felt like anyway, even if it smacked you in the face because it was your first relationship. You were oh, still really young. Totally. Like totally. you say, she it just sort of felt like, oh, this is how it's supposed to be. Oh, we hold hands. Okay. Like there's no yeah. like, emotion I, in it. Yeah. And I do distinctly remember how awkward I felt holding her hands. I'd never held anybody's hand before. Her bony little fingers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but the funny thing is that so after through this whole process right I think I probably still had crushes on other 
people because I like I I'm quite a friendly person. I was quite a friendly person back then, and I just connected with a lot of people. I think uh, even though as previously admitted, I was a bit socially awkward. At the same time, I I, I connected with people and I didn't like the idea of um, locked in. Locked in. Yeah, I mean that sounds terrible, but because I knew that I didn't feel anything, but because I was so caught up in the the rigmarole, the process of starting a relationship. I was like, well, now that I'm in it, I may as well just go to the next stage and then the next stage. And so did you feel some sort of unspoken pressure or any expectation, you know, given that being in the church environment, mm-hmm. um, there is expectations when you're in a relationship? Uh, well, I mean, absolutely. And I think in church it's, it's fairly common knowledge that dating culture at least back then, doesn't really exist. Mm. You kind of, you you pick one person and then you date that one person. You're not. Yeah, there's, there's no try before you buy it. That's yeah. You marry yeah. that You date for marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sure, some relationships don't work out, but it's, I would say it's rare. So, and mm. consequently, you get a lot of unhappy Christian couples. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it's definitely was never a, I had never conceived of the idea of of dating somebody else. Uh, maybe wishing that I'd had at, mm. at several points, but I never thought that it would actually Questioning be possible. Questioning your choice, yeah. Yeah, which is really sad in hindsight, right? Mm-hmm. That I didn't feel like I could, could that I could do that. But that's um, probably part of the heavy expectation in the in the church environment is that you're like, well, shit, I've made this choice. That's it now. That's my life mm. sorted. Like, you have to follow through. Yeah, and then also on top of that, a lot of me being worried about what people thought as well. And as mm. we have previously talked about with Rachel, I had a big issue with insecurity and, and worrying about what other people were talking about in regards to, you know, who I was. And and I was afraid to become the, the subject of gossip and stuff. So Because mm. I knew that, like, if something big happened with this with this girl, the fact that we all had the same friends because we're all in the same class mm. and we were quite a tight class, it would have just created drama and I didn't mm. want to be the centre of that drama. And I was like, okay, just follow through, follow through. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And that uh, was really your little voice inside sort of mm, making you, yep. you know, yep. question uh, it all. And there were definitely what we would call now red flags from the very beginning, I didn't recognize them as that. I think possibly other people did in those early stages. I don't, I don't remember a lot of things from those early months and years. Um, possibly I've blocked them out because <laughs> mm. I've, I've tried to shut off a certain period of my life, but there, when we, when we first started dating, um, it was, quite intense so this girl she is quite an intense person and there were quite a lot of um, arguments and open fights that had come out come about because of uni stress or just random things very random probably usually minor Mm. Um, but yeah there was definitely I know because obviously I was still living at home when you're at your first year of uni and, you know, mum and dad and I would travel down to visit you and meet her. And even 
myself from, you know, in a young age, I did have maybe in the back of my mind, it was a red flag to me too. But some of times I thought the way she treated you, even the way she used to just fight with you in public, that mm. to me was, you know, because our parents didn't do that in front of us. Mm. And so that was our, yeah, that was what we grew up with. So even then I remember thinking, oh, like she's quite mean. Mm. Um, but at first it, I yeah. thought, oh, she's going to be the sister that I that I always wanted, you know, and mm. there were these I think two she sides to her. Yeah, there was definitely the two sides to her because she would say the same thing. Oh, you're like the sister I never had. But then there was quite early on, side. actually, I think. Yeah. And, but then there was this flip side, you know, when, for instance, you would bring her up north to come see us and you guys would come camping in the summer with us. She would exclude me out of, you know, group situations and was quite mean at times. And I remember thinking like, wow. <laughs> but then mm. she would um, justify because I hated confrontation. I never and she was quite intimidating. I would never have approached her about um, the way she treated you or myself or, or even our family in, yeah. in general. Well, she um, was a very – she she won arguments every time, mm. that kind of person, like type had A. had the last say. <laughs> yeah. And she was very well-spoken mm. and had an excellent memory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it was just very good with words. Uh, so it was basically for someone who lacked a lot of confidence and was anti-confrontational. I'm talking about me. Obviously, you had these and, things too, but yeah, uh, as a family, we have these as character traits. Mm, yeah. uh, it was basically impossible for me to disagree with mm. anything. Uh, and so even early on when I saw these red flags, oh, I couldn't do anything about it, you know. But just... you, I, I definitely remember having those feelings like her words were so cutting. Like, oh, wow. very, very wow. But cutting. like with no emotion yeah. to her face when she'd say stuff and maybe. Yeah, very maybe personal. Maybe she or, yeah, or didn't, but um, how her words might affect mm. the person she was speaking to. Or yeah. maybe she did realise and that was the intention, but um, it was, wow, sometimes it was – and I mean, I was quite a sensitive, unconfident teenager anyway, but for her mm. to, yeah, it was, it was very hurtful, some of the things she Yeah, said. and I think, and it kind of, even just as I'm thinking about this now, I'm kind of feeling it again. Um, like I said, I was a really confident person when I got to uni, and I was really enjoying that, that life. Um, but I just kind of... I think over time, and I don't know if other people noticed it, but I changed and I became less confident and that only increased the longer that we were together. So mm. I definitely um, noticed that about you too, like how you became basically a shell of your former self. And even I know when we were together as a family, they were, like I have a vivid memory of being mum and dad were in the front, me, you and her were in the back seat. And she was arguing with you quite loudly and quite aggressively mm. in the back seat, and we were all just sat there like, <laughs> like I can't believe we're here listening to yeah. this, and this is awkward for everybody. But nobody spoke up. Like, why didn't mum and yeah, dad? I actually, myself, you know what? Like, I remember it. It's coming back to me. Yeah. I remember it. Nobody yeah. had the confidence to be like, "Excuse me, cut it out." And or she, save and that she, for your own time, or she had no 
qualms about speaking the same way to anybody either. So No, no, it um, wasn't exclusive to us. It was to anybody that came across her or she mm-hmm. disagreed with. It was yep. it was definitely her her friends. It was quite interesting having conversations with her girlfriends and them saying the same thing. Like she's great, but mm. don't cross her. Like and yep. even they knew. <laughs> mm. So I mean she had this this way of the every like disagreement would come around to you being the one that was at fault and mm. the, but she did it in such a way that you couldn't really disagree mm. uh, and so it just seemed to make sense that it was <laughs> your, your fault, fault. And, and, yeah. <laughs> and I and I felt that I mean just imagine like this is a story years in the making of this constant cycle of what we're in a situation right now and it's your fault. Mm. And so eventually you just believe it and eventually you won't even fight anymore. Right. Mm. Um, you just accept it. And I mean, <laughs> I don't want to jump too far ahead, but this began right from the very beginning. And mm. now that you're saying those stories, I'm remembering it. And I and those seen were in the early the days. This was, this yeah. is my memories of those early, early days too. Mm. And that was within what the first year of you meeting. So yeah. um, I really wish we as a family had the strength to, to speak up actually, because this was, you know, your life that was, mm. you know, and she was, it, it, you were like putty in her hands at the end of the day. She, yeah. she had a way about her too, where she could charm and, manipulate people that way if you met her for the first time you think oh she's so lovely and so welcoming Mm. friendly but Mm. then when you really got to know her there was these you know wow like so hard to put into words really yeah (laughs) yeah, that's true and and it's it's kind of rare to come across people like that Mm. Uh, and she just kind of had this kind of power about her and she, um, I mean, under, trying to be understanding and empathetic, she came from a dysfunctional family, and it explains a lot about she why had to fight she was for the way she was. Yeah. yeah. She, um, I mean, it's no excuse for treating people that mm, way, but you can understand why sure. she was the way she was. Yeah, she had to fight for everything that she had, and and she, her family, uh, they took a lot of attention as well, and sometimes you can get people who come out as being very sweet and gentle natured from that. Mm. She was the opposite, came out all fiery, <laughs> all mm. guns blazing. There was a, oh, yeah, I'll say like in terms of the reasoning behind it, there's more to say on that later on, but I'll save that. But yeah, I think it was very clear earlier on, early on what her intentions were. She knew from the very get go that she wanted to marry me. And so I always knew from the very beginning that she was serious and that this relationship was serious. And so there was no getting off the train for me. And, and that, I think I, I was afraid. Extra pressure to you. Oh, of course. Uh, aside from the whole church pressure to be in that one relationship and get married, etc. Yeah. She's and put knowing that pressure her, on you as well. Yeah. And knowing her penchant for, for drama, her tendency to be, <laughs> to blow things up. I was afraid to, I guess, bring anything to an end that would affect my life because we were in class together and all the friends and stuff. It would have, it would have been such a big deal. Uh, and I just avoided it completely. If only I'd seen, <laughs> actually it made it a lot worse in the future. 
So how um, old were you in that first year together then? Were so, you, I mean, I, 18? When I, I was 17 when I showed up at uni uh, and then for the first couple of months and then I, so I was 18. Yeah. So, well, 17 when you met her. So you're still mm. so young, really. Super To young. get into such a serious relationship mm-hmm. with, you know, not even at, at that age, most people yep. would treat relationships a lot more casually than mm-hmm. than how yours went from zero to 100 in a short yeah. space of time. Yeah. And so we kind of went through this dating stage and because I was stuck in this, like, we must tick off the boxes and go through these stages by the end of the first year of dating was almost literally a year actually. And we got to, to new year's Eve and I decided that, uh, what do I do next? Oh, obviously I'm just going to have to propose. <laughs> and then that, that was it. Like there was no big romantic feelings behind it for me. Uh, it just felt like it was the right thing for me to do. Mm. Uh, I knew that's what she wanted. Uh, I knew that's probably what I what that's what I thought I wanted. Yeah, that's what I think everybody well what I think everybody expected of me. I think probably no one was thinking that. No, <laughs> in hindsight, but that's what I believed. Mm. And um, so, yeah, I proposed. So you were eighteen. Wow. Mm. And and I guess like just to say like through that whole year. I, I am a romantic person. I have I put a lot of stock in doing all the kind of quote unquote flowery stuff within a relationship. Uh, and so there was a, there was that part of it. And I did take part in all those kind of things of writing sweet notes and doing the, the sweet gifts and stuff like that. Uh, although I think I recognize now that I was doing it because I thought I was supposed to do that because mm. that's what boyfriends and girlfriends did. Since then, I've learned that that comes from more of a genuine place with other people that I have genuine feelings for. But for her, it was like, I'm doing this because this is what people do. And, and what she expects probably too. Yeah. I can, I can imagine say, having yeah. those conversations with you like, why don't you write me notes and why don't you um, flowers? Oh, no, that, that, not then. That happened later. Mm. <laughs> that happened much later. <laughs> Um, so yeah, then we got, um, we're engaged after a full year of dating and, um, that's been kind of, sorry. sorry. Can you remember telling mum and dad what their reaction was? Uh, so yeah, I called them on the night, New Year's and, um, I was really awkward because I remember I, I, I (laughs) talked to dad and it's like, I remember the phrasing the exact phrasing because it was such an awkward sentence. I was like, I said, <laughs> I am now promised to only one woman. <laughs> Did you say that? <laughs> I said that. <laughs> that actually sounds like something dad would say. I, I was, I, as I said that, I was like, holy shit, I sound like dad. <laughs> Weirdly formal and flowery. Um, yes. So that was, that was awkward. And then from day one, like literally the next day, she was with her mum because we were staying at her mum's house at that time. They started planning the wedding. So I was like, holy shit. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. What have I done? <laughs> and then I was like, you know how most people, there's that stereotype about guys and girls and weddings and stuff. I, I just stood right back. I mean, not that I would have had a say anyway. <laughs> no. But it was just kind of like, okay, whoa, whoa. And then like, okay, so we're 
we were only engaged for six months, uh, which seems like a, a really short amount of time. And I don't know why we did it that way. It just happened. And, there were a lot again, of decisions that were I'll, made. I'll say in the church and from our parents, mm -hmm. there was the expectation to do short engagements so mm -hmm. that there would be no time to be tempted. Yep. No um, premarital sex. No. Yeah. So that I know that in my head, having remembering that feeling. Yes, um, the premarital marital sex is a very large motivator for young couples to get married in church. Yes. Uh, or lack thereof, I should say. Although, just uh, an addendum, side notes, there are many Christian couples who would basically <laughs> bend those rules as yeah. far as they possibly could go. <laughs> mm. <laughs> they will uh, do everything but. So some people are you believe. prepared to to share any of your experiences in those six months? Well, okay, well, <laughs> well, yes, sure. I mean, so okay, just to finish what I was my my previous thought, many young Christian couples will basically, when you think about like what is premarital sex, they will mm. go for the most exact interpretation, yes, penetrative sex, <laughs> penetration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that there's a few other things you can do that, yeah, uh, outside of that. But when um, I heard sex. <laughs> <laughs> and even some would go as far to say that only a certain type of penetrative sex is actually counts. And so then you've got these couples who are just bending rules all over the place. <laughs> and then it's like, well, this is a little bit fucked. Something's wrong here. <laughs> and there was definitely some some playing around on, on our part. Uh, but obviously I didn't know what I was doing. So I don't I couldn't tell you how far we went and if it was risque or not because how would i know <laughs> <laughs> okay so i mean just skip forward a little bit the wedding so we were married in july uh in winter winter wedding is very risky in new zealand but you know we had perfect weather it was cold but perfect uh the wedding experience for me was really strange because i felt like i was there in body only. Mm, like an out-of-body okay. experience. But it not and, and some people would interpret that as being a kind of part of the romantic nature of the experience. For me, it wasn't. I was very aware of the finality of what I was doing. Um, my best man, my best mate at the time, is not long before the wedding. He's like, are you sure you want to do this? Uh, are you sure you – like, are you ready for this? Like, do you yeah, think he was asking that genuinely or whether he thought that was what he was supposed to ask? Like, know, did he like, see red flags or is that just something I don't want to project. Ask? Yeah, I don't want to project mm. too much. We've never talked about it since then. But, of course, I, I, I blew it off and I was like, yeah, of course, it's fine, uh, as most people would. Mm. Um, but I just, I just knew in my heart that I was not ready, like, I was unhappy. I think I can recognize that now. Um, I had no control over anything. Um, I felt like I'd lost all sense of self. And yet here I was supposed to just pretend that I was like really, really happy. Uh, and I, there was, it's not like I was miserable. There were moments of happiness. Of course there always are, but just going through the wedding thing, I could kind of tune out a bit because it was an event. I've been involved in lots of events with church and things, and I just could treat it you as such. Switch, yeah, switch on that part of you. Just put your mask on and 
Yeah, and it was really awkward leading up to the wedding because I had to invite these people to the wedding, and I didn't really have many friends. And I don't know if we – I mean, we had friends, but not, like, close friends. And then choosing the bridal party and stuff, and I didn't really have close friends to choose. And I don't know. It was just all a bit too much for me. And I've, I did quite well, a few like, things last minute. If you think about – the year that you just had essentially all the 18 months it's not really enough time to you know you'd moved to a new city only 18 months ago mm. like it wasn't enough time to have friends as a couple or you know i i still hadn't figured myself out i mean who has like this mm. is fucking i was fucking 20 years old mm. uh nobody knows everything about themselves at that age and even what they're going to do well, you were 19 older. weren't you Right on 20, um, both in our 20th year, mm-hmm. married, and uh, it was a confusing time for me because it's supposed to be it's supposed to be a high point, right? And you're supposed to be super excited, and um, I just didn't feel any of those emotions at all. So I had this smile plastered on my face, and it was a fake smile. I know this because mm-hmm. I, I just remember how how sore my face was at the end of the day from putting on this fake smile the whole time and i remember at the reception I, like i sang a song like it was supposed to be our song it was like supposed to be the special moment and even that for me uh it was just going through the motions because I, I did it because i know that i knew that she would love it mm. and it would mean something to her and so i did it yeah there was just no emotion in there for me and um yeah, the, for many, many years after, I kind of have screamed at the past version of myself, saying, just fucking back out, like, grow mm. some guts. <laughs> but um, it's a big deal to, like, to, yeah. you know, for fear of judgment and even looking back, you know, you probably wouldn't have been able to be convinced otherwise if someone mm. said to you, look, back out now, you've still got time. You probably still would have gone through with it even though you didn't think it was the right thing because that's just what you did you know Mm -hmm. for fear like you said earlier for fear of being the center of gossip Mm. um, drama and that just wasn't what and and i I do have a because of stories in the future i feel i'm somewhat justified in that because i know what it's like uh, in church circles and i know that that kind of gossip and stuff does happen Um, Mm. So, yeah, it wasn't an unrealistic fear, an unreasonable fear. But uh, anyway, so we got married and we went off on our honeymoon. We went to Australia, actually, uh, Gold Coast and Sunshine Coast. And this what is was, kind of when... What was the feeling then? Could um, you feel, still feel emotionless or was it a nice time? Very, very much, very much. Didn't have any... Kind of feelings, and then there was another thing to add to this, which I've been hesitant to talk about. But on a honeymoon, you know what you're supposed to do on a honeymoon, right? Especially for couples who haven't done this before, it's always going to be a little bit awkward trying to figure this out, the mm. whole sex thing. And when you're supposed to start a, a physical relationship as a Christian couple, this is when you figure it out. Mm. And we discovered very quickly that um, we were just unable to have sex due to kind of medical stuff there was like 
discomfort and it just didn't work. And, uh, and that kind of put a, it wasn't a big deal because I didn't know what I was missing. Right. So mm. it wasn't a being an end all, but it was just something else that, you know, you're supposed to, it's just another thing that you're supposed to tick off on this happily mm. married box. And, um, I wasn't able to, and I didn't blame her for it. I didn't blame me for it, but I just felt in probably quite incredibly unlucky uh, at that stage. And, but the, I had this huge burden on myself to be the nice guy, to be the supportive guy, mm. to be the good guy in all things. And I've held, held this with me through my whole life that I am, I have this sense of responsibility to kind of be ever patient and ever kind and it's ever. It's kind of that stereotype eh, of like masculinity um, mm-hmm. in its strongest form. Like as the male, that's what you are supposed to do, be the, you mm. know, the woman. Well, back then and maybe in that circle, you could almost get away with being that <laughs> moody yeah. and da-da-da, as long as you're understanding and empathetic and, you know, you're doing the right thing. That was yeah. sort of what was expected, right? Yeah, and uh, I mean, I mean, most most men. I mean, I don't know this, but a lot of men wouldn't necessarily be understanding of this particular problem. But this is something that didn't. It wasn't just a short term thing. This was this became a long term, very big elephant in the room mm. uh, for our relationship. And when we went back uh, post honeymoon to kind of try and settle in, settle into our married blissful life. Uh, it was definitely a feature of that alongside all the other things that I was trying to navigate mm-hmm. being married. And I, I actually took a semester off uni at that time and I took a job and um, my partner was still at uni finishing off. And that was good bearing, in a sense. Bearing we got in to mind, have, this is where I enter as well, mm, because mm. Um, what lots of people won't realize, but after you came back from your honeymoon, I had just moved to Tauranga and I moved mm. in with you guys. So that just added a complete other element to probably your relationship too, when there was probably a lot of tension yeah. with what was going on. You know, she was still studying, so it was stressful. You guys were getting to know each other on a different level, stress. Um, mm. And there I was just there in the background. And yeah. that was that was hard for everybody in that situation. Yeah. I, th- I think, actually, I think it's probably the perfect time to take a pause here because this is kind of heading into that next we sub chapter of when you were there to kind of first firstly kind of witness mm. a lot of this stuff firsthand um, the screaming red flag <laughs> <laughs> waiting oh yeah yeah so i think we'll, we'll pause it there and then we'll carry on this story in our next episode but thank you for um hanging out with us today and i hope you're able to can I don't want to. I hope I'm not talking to a lot of people who have gone through this the same experience because that that would be tragic. <laughs> but I, I hope there's something that you can get from this. It does kind of get a little bit deeper, and I'm 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 feeling the kind of twist in my chest already. <laughs> but yeah, stick with us, and uh, the light does appear further down the track, but it, it is there. <laughs> anyway, we'll we'll catch up with you again uh, in our next episodes. Thanks, everyone. Bye.